name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Fellow redeemed, we like those big dinners, don't we? Those potlucks, those get-togethers. And one of the great things about them is that there's always plenty enough food. And if you go away hungry, well, that's your fault. But it's not just about food, is it? More than just the meal itself, we enjoy the social aspect of it. Along with the food, we like the talking. We like the catching up with family and friends. Now, gathering around food isn't a new thing. And yet, meals in the ancient world were viewed a little different than they are today. First, the very act of eating with someone was an act of social significance. It indicated that you accepted that person. You considered them to be worthy to be in your presence and that you would interact with them. And then second, the fact that people shared a meal together didn't mean that everyone was equal. The ancient world had a highly developed sense of social honor and ranking. Those sitting closest to the host, well, they're the most important. And if you're sitting a little further away, well, you're less important. And no one wants to be seated at that last spot at the table. Now, the probably the closest, closest example of this that we get in our culture today is that of weddings. Where, you're, where you have an assigned seat. The bride and groom are usually at the center. Next to them, you have their bridesmaids and groomsmen and then the parents, and then finally you get to the other guest. And yet even this isn't actually the same as what took place in the ancient world. And so with this social honor, this ranking that took place at meals, you could guess that there were competitions to see who could sit at the higher seat. And so it's no wonder that in the Old Testament for this day that we see the following advice. Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great, for it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. And we see similar advice given in the gospel for this day. Yet before we do that, consider the setting. Holy evangelist St. Luke writes, One Sabbath, when Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees. Now hearing that Jesus was dining with the Pharisees should strike you as a little odd. The reason for that is that the Pharisees were enemies of Jesus. They were opposed to him. So why would they be hosting him at a meal? Well, Jesus was, first and foremost, considered a religious celebrity, sort of speak. He worked miracles, and his teaching captivated thousands. So having Jesus sit at your table would make you look good. One second, this is clearly an example of that saying. Keep your friends close and your enemies 
closer. They were watching Jesus carefully. On two other occasions, Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, and so they were watching him carefully to see what he would do, to see uh, what he would say, and if they could use it against him eventually. And yet, just as the Pharisees were watching Jesus carefully, Jesus was watching them carefully. He noticed how they were seeking the place of honor. He noticed how they often exalted themselves in sinful pride at the expense of others. But not only that, but their view on seating arrangements at a meal also revealed how they viewed the kingdom of God. The better you kept the law, well, the closer you are to heaven. And knowing this false belief, this trusting in themselves, Jesus warns them of their iniquity. He warns them of the impurity of their hearts. He warns them of their sinful pride. And he does so by the words of a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor. Let someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he invite you. Uh, he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. Now the opposite of honor was shame. A person sought honor. In the sight of others. And at the same time avoided shame at all costs. And our Lord warned against seeking the place of honor. Because doing so could result in shame. And so he gives these instructions. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. And he concludes with this. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus' warning to the Pharisees also stands as a warning for us. The sinful flesh is always tempted to compare oneself to others. It's always tempted to lift oneself up in sinful pride, to exalt oneself to that place of honor. And yet when we do this, we're humbling and bringing shame upon those around us at the same time. This sinful pride, this self-exaltation is pure idolatry. In our fallen condition, we love ourselves above everything else. To this, God would have us humble ourselves in sincere repentance. He would have us see that we've sinned against God. And against our neighbor. And as a result, we can't come into his presence or stand before him by our own reason or strength. 
As we confess, we're by nature sinful and unclean, deserving of eternal death. Yet while God would have us repent of our sin, he would have us not be given over to despair. In the face of our sin and its wages of death, Jesus brought God's saving reign to us. And he does so by humbling himself. This is what St. Paul writes in his letter to the Philippians. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Through the incarnation, as the Word became flesh, God himself enters into this world to save sinful man. And yet this, in and of itself, wasn't humbling for God. reason for this is he had once declared humanity to be very good in the beginning. Instead, the humiliation of Jesus is that he didn't use his power to serve himself. He took on the form of a servant. And not just any servant, but a suffering servant. The one the prophet Isaiah had promised when he wrote, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. By humbling himself to the point of the shameful death on the cross, Jesus has freed us from sin and made us holy before God. While Jesus, as true God in human flesh, humbled himself in order to save us from sin and death, the Father exalted him when he raised him from the dead. The humiliation of the cross wasn't the final word. The sealed tomb wasn't the final word. Instead, God's saving word sounded forth as the risen Christ declared, Peace be to you. And yet even this wasn't the end of God's exalting work. Forty days after Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus ascended into heaven. He's been exalted to the right hand of God the Father. As St. Paul writes in Ephesians, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, the Father has put all things under his feet and given him as head over all things to the church. Fellow redeemed, Jesus humbled himself and then was exalted for you to save you from your lowly state of sin 
and death. And because he has done this, you can now face your sins. Sins of lifting yourself up in sinful pride over those around you. You can now face your sin and confess it in humble, humble repentance. And you can do so trusting that you will be exalted in forgiveness. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is what Jesus did for you. In order to give you his forgiveness. His salvation. His eternal life. He's given you the Holy Spirit who has called you to faith. Consider what took place in the waters of holy baptism. You've become a new creation in Christ, born again through water and the Spirit. And as a result, the new man in you now seeks to follow in the way of our Lord. We humble ourselves in service to others, just as Jesus humbled himself to serve us. We put the needs of our spouse, our children, our parents, our friends, ahead of our own. We serve and help others in the various vocations that God has placed us. And in so doing, we become the means by which God cares for those he has placed in our lives. And led by the Spirit, we do this because we believe in Jesus. We humble ourselves confident that in Christ the way of humiliation ultimately leads to exaltation. It's as Christ says to you this day, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. God be praised. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.